Welcome to the Midland Seventh-day Adventist Church. We hope our broadcast will bless you. If you'd like to turn uh, in your Bibles with me to the book of Luke, we'll be looking at Luke uh, chapter 19, and we'll be reading verses 1 to 10. I don't hear pages turning, so I'll assume we're there now. Luke 19, starting in verse 1. Then Jesus entered and passed through Jericho. Now behold, there was a man named Zacchaeus, who was a chief tax collector, and he was rich. And he sought to see who Jesus was, but could not because of the crowd, for he was of short stature. So he ran ahead and climbed up into a sycamore tree to see him, for he was going to pass that way. And when Jesus had come to that place, he looked up and he saw him. And he said to him, Zacchaeus, make haste and come down, for today I must stay at your home. So he made haste and came down and received him joyfully. But when they saw it, they all complained, saying, He has gone to be a guest with a man who is a sinner. Then Zacchaeus stood and said to the Lord, Look, Lord, I give half of my goods to the poor, and if I have taken anything from anyone by false accusation, I restore fourfold. And Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house because he also is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man has come to seek and save that which is lost. Keep your Bibles, Bibles open there. We'll be needing them as we go through this story. Um, do you agree with me that God has big plans for each one of you? He has a special plan for your life? I think that. He has a plan for us, a divine scheme for our existence, a holy blueprint for our life, not just for our family or for our church or for our country, but for each one of us individually. He is intentional. It is intentional. Out of the billions of people who have lived and died on this earth, you and I have been chosen. God wants to be involved in a relationship with us. And because of that, I want to first I want to pray, and then I want to tell you how God has a very special plan for Zacchaeus, and he has a very special plan for us. And so let's bow our heads as we get into the Word this morning. Loving Father, I pray for your blessing that you will use me right now as we open your Word. Uh, give me the words to speak that each one of us can gain a blessing through your Word. We can see your will for our lives and that each of us will seek a closer walk with you. In Jesus' name, amen. So I'm going to be talking about Zacchaeus, but before I do, I want to tell you... Uh, back when I was still actively pastoring. And so uh, in August, it was two years since I retired, and I had pastored 42 years. Many of those, most of those in Arkansas, six years in Maryland, five years in Louisiana, and the rest were all in Arkansas. And the administration that we had uh, right before the time when I retired, they came to all the pastors and they recommended that we do something once a month, and they called it a personal summit day. It was a day when you're not writing sermons, you're not visiting, you're not making phone calls, you're not going to the hospital or anything like that. Um, 
you turn off the TV, you put your cell phone away, you're not even with your spouse, but you go away somewhere, maybe it's your backyard or maybe it's somewhere else, you go on a hike or whatever, and that day you're spending time, you and God, in a personal summit day. I thought, that sounds like a pretty good idea. I'm going to try that. So I told both of my churches what I was planning to do, and I said, this particular day, don't call me. I'm not going to have my phone with me. And it's going to be a personal summit day where I try to increase, enhance my relationship with Jesus. Now, before I tell you what happened, uh, my wife and I, we Pat is her name, we got here on Thursday. And then our youngest son, Aaron, and his family got here yesterday. And so yesterday, there were six adults and six kids running around the house. And I think I would be accurate in saying it was complete chaos. And so I was thinking of Hillary and our other daughter-in-law, Elisa. How do you get a personal summit day? They would be happy for a personal summit five minutes. And so that might be a challenge, but I just want to challenge you to think about how can you have some time alone with Jesus? And so I took my Bible, I took a little backpack with some sandwiches and some water and another good uh, reading material, and we were living in Conway, Arkansas at the time. Most of you probably don't know where that's at on the map. It's about 30 minutes north of Little Rock, and I drove an hour from there down to the city where we're actually living now, Hot Springs, Arkansas, and if you Google it, it will say Hot Springs National Park, Arkansas, because it actually is a national park because of all the hot water that comes boiling out or not boiling it comes out of the mountain at 143 degrees and so if you ever have a chance to come to hot springs arkansas you can see the water coming out of the mountain and they have some of them capped off where you can bring your water bottles and fill them full of hot water and it's delicious to drink and so i went to a place that's called it's part of the national park it's a hiking trail and it's in a place called the Golfa. Gorge, G-U-L-P-H-A, if you want to Google it later, but not while I'm preaching, don't Google it right now, but later you can Google it. Gulf of Gorge is part of the Hot Springs National Park, and they've got several trails there, but the one that I chose to hike on, it's a five-mile trail, and it's called the Goat Trail, it, and it probably in the original days, it was like it took a billy goat to go on it. It's steep. It goes up the mountain and meanders around the top of the mountain and back down the same way you came, it makes a big loop. It's five miles. And for the most part, it's uh, not a lot of people that go on it. And I thought, this is the trail I'm going to go on. So I'd, I'd walk a quarter of a mile, and I'd sit down on a rock and look out over the valley below, and I'd pray, and I'd think, and I'd read from the Bible, and I'd read from this book. And I was reading about the life of Zacchaeus, and it just turned into a huge blessing for me. And so the message that I have today has grown out of that particular personal summit day that I had on the mountain in Hot Springs, Arkansas, a few years back. And you see that it's in the Gospel of Luke chapter 19. Before Jesus rose up that morning to spend quality time with the Father, Zacchaeus was already on his mind. It was, he was on his day planner, his agenda. Out of all the tasks and duties and assignments that Jesus had for that particular day, his ultimate goal was to enter into a new relationship with someone that he had been preparing to meet for a long time. Jesus' plan was to give Zacchaeus something that he couldn't earn. He didn't deserve it. He wouldn't comprehend it. And that was his grace. 
his unconditional love, and his peace. But most of all, Jesus desired to unveil the plans for his future. So you see in Luke chapter 19, verse 1, it says, Jesus entered and passed through Jericho. The way of Jesus often seems subtle, almost inconspicuous. Yet here he is preparing to enter into Zacchaeus' personal space to change his life radically and positively. He was literally passing by just to see if this time he'd be noticed. He had so much more for Zacchaeus to experience and to know. And so you just imagine Jesus taking the time, getting to know Zacchaeus, but imagine this, Jesus taking the time, getting to know each one of you that are here this morning. He cares about you. He loves you. He wants to know you personally, up close, inside and out. Now, my wife, Pat, she told the story. I call her Trisha because her name is really Patricia. Uh, we've known each other a long time. When we first met, we both grew up as Seventh-day Adventists, but we were living in different cities. And when we moved to this, when I moved to the same city she was in, in Malvern, Arkansas, um, and we were going to church together and going to junior high together, she was 12 and I was 14. So we've known each other a long, long time. She was my sister's best friend, which made her my mortal enemy. Because at the time, even though I love my sister now, I didn't care about, you know, brother and sister conflict. Can't say much more in case we're on the internet. <laughs> no, I'm just teasing. My sister Carolyn and I love each other very much. And so uh, who would imagine that six years la later after we first met, we'd be married? And coming up this coming summer, if we're both alive and kicking and the Lord hasn't come, we will celebrate 50 years of marriage. Although we were practically, well, she was a teenager when we got married. And so I know that she is a very good roller skater. I know she knows how to play the banjo. I know that she's a good cook and a great grandma. I also know how to irritate her and to make her mad. But as well as I know her, check this out. Jesus knows you and me better than that. He knows us. He knows us oh so well. And too often, we forget that God is still on the throne, that he is in complete control. God is never surprised at the events that are happening to us or around us. He's never overwhelmed by bad news or caught off guard by challenging your deal because he is God. And so I took this, I copied this off of our refrigerator. Pat put this on our refrigerator oh, a few years ago, I guess now. It comes from Testimonies, Volume 8, page 273. If you don't have any way to write it down, check with me after church, and I will give you the quote again. Here's what it says. Above the distractions of the earth, God sits enthroned. All things are open to his divine survey, and from his great and calm eternity, he orders that which his providence sees best. Nothing catches God off guard. He's not surprised by anything. He has a plan for us, and his plan is right on track. He is, he is sovereign, and that simply means he can do what he wants, whenever he wants. He sees all, he knows all. Everything he does is always at the right time. When the Jews were at the point in their journey where they were beginning to be convinced that God had forgotten all about them, he gave them this wonderful promise. It's in Jeremiah 29, verse 11. And he says, I know the thoughts I think toward you. 
thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you a future and a hope. Do you think God has good plans for us? A future and a hope. God has not abandoned us. He had not abandoned them, nor was he uninterested in the future of his people. God had a plan for them that involved a great future and plenty of bright hopes. And Zacchaeus was a part of God's big plan. He may not have known it yet, but God was orchestrating the events of his day to include a significant encounter with his son. He had this specific plan for Zacchaeus' future that wasn't an afterthought. And God has plans for you and for me. I may not know what those are. You may not know what those are, but God does. And this best part is, there's never been a time when we haven't been on God's mind. There's a song. I won't sing it for you um, because I don't know all the words, although I did Google it this morning and listened to it. And it, when... Uh, he was on the cross. I was on his mind. I think that's the name of the song. And I just j- wrote down some of the words. I think it's the chorus. And do you, do you know this song? It goes, he knew me, yet he loved me. He whose glory makes the heavens shine. So unworthy of such mercy. Yet when he was on the cross, anybody know? I was on his mind. If you want to go home this afternoon and you have a smartphone, you can Google it. And I think it was the Gaithers that were singing. I listened to it this morning. It's just a beautiful, beautiful song. But when he was on the cross, that was on his mind. Zacchaeus had it all. He possessed everything that was supposed to bring satisfaction. He had especially four things going for him. First of all, he had a favorable name. The name Zacchaeus literally means pure. And during that time, your name carried a lot more significance than it does today. Second thing he had going for him was a recognizable title. Zacchaeus served as the director of the IRS. He wasn't just a tax collector. You see in the scripture it says he was a chief tax collector. So he was in charge of other tax collectors for the Roman government. He was the shrewd leader of the infamous tax collecting department. He chaired the National Board of Tax Collectors, wrote policies, and hired and fired staff at will. His reputation suffered because of the well-known corruption in the ranks. Just to mention his name, Mr. Z, it, it, it evoked this strong emotions and words from the opposing parties. It'd be like if I said today, hey, let's talk about Donald Trump. Let's talk about Joe Biden. And everybody in here has very strong opinions, but we're not talking about them today. And yet, Mr. Z, Zacchaeus, it was those same kind of strong opinions. Oftentimes, he, wasn't, he and his family weren't even welcome in church. They weren't welcome in the, in the temple because even though he was Jewish, he was working for the Romans. And that made everyone hate him. A third thing, though, that he had going for him was that he had lots of money. <laughs> wouldn't that be nice? Do you have lots of money? He See me after church. <laughs> I've got another antique vehicle I want to buy. <laughs> I'm just, that was for Aaron back there in the sound booth. Zacchaeus was super rich. It was no secret around town that he cheated. He pocketed the excess taxes charged to the working class. He dressed in the best clothing. He lived in the best neighborhood. He, had the, he ate the finest foods. He hired people to care for his every need. What a life. He didn't have to mow his own yard or clean his own house or chop his own firewood. He had servants for everything. And the fourth thing that he had going for him 
which wouldn't fly in our 21st century, is that he was a man. But in 1st century AD, being a man versus a woman was a big deal. But today we look at everybody, God has created us all equal, hasn't he? And yet Zacchaeus felt unfulfilled. He knew he needed something that money wouldn't buy. He knew that nothing could satisfy him that he currently had. Money wouldn't buy it and position couldn't influence it. So Zacchaeus decided what he wanted to do, to see Jesus in action in the in the flesh. And so what you see happening is that Zacchaeus decided on a personal summit day. He wanted to get to know Jesus and who this person is. And so here's what he did. He decided what he wanted to do to go see Jesus in action in the flesh. He'd heard stories about Jesus encounters, blind people that could now see. He, he'd heard about blind Bartimaeus from the same city of Jericho. He heard about lame people that now could walk and about some guys coming with their friend and breaking a hole in Peter's roof and letting the guy down there and he walked out carrying his own bed. He heard about insane people restored to my right mind. Over in the other side of the Sea of Galilee, Galilee on the Gadarenes, two crazy guys naked and living in the cemetery and cutting themselves and pigs running off into the sea and now they're in their right mind and clothed and loving Jesus. He heard about lepers healed and dead people being brought back to life. And John 4.29 says, Come, see a man. It seemed that all of these people had a personal encounter with Jesus, left his presence changed for good forever. And so Zacchaeus figured the odds were in his favor, so he headed into town. The morning was brisk. He poked around the city asking if anyone had seen Jesus. Word was Jesus were going to be passing through Jericho that very day. He noticed a group of people running by and muttering excitedly, He's here! He's here! He's right down there! And so Zacchaeus followed them, and to his surprise, when they finally got to the place where Jesus was teaching, there was already this massive, massive crowd. Now, um, I don't know if our Midland Church has a Pathfinder Club or not, or if you have in the past, but did you know that the Seventh-day Adventist Church Pathfinders, it's like Boys Scouts and Girl Scouts, every five years... They do an international Pathfinder Camp Re, and for about the past 20 years, the first time was in 1999, it was over in Oshkosh, Wisconsin. And so 50,000 Pathfinders and staff with their leaders go there. Have any of you been there by any chance? Oh, some hands have gone up. My wife and I have been there four of the five times, but now the next one is going to happen two years from this last August in August of 2024, but they've moved it because it got too big for Oshkosh, West, uh, Wisconsin. They've moved it to Gillette, Gillette, Wyoming. And when you go there, can you just picture 50,000 Pathfinders in Pathfinder uniforms on Sabbath morning marching to the church service? It's something that is just quite amazing. But so Zacchaeus gets there and there's this massive crowd and he thinks, how am I ever going to get to see Jesus? Um, years ago, the, actually it was 1998, I was pastoring in northwest Arkansas. And the, the president at the time was Bill Clinton. And uh, I've never seen a president before in the flesh, only on TV. And I thought, okay. He was coming to northwest Arkansas to dedicate an airport, a brand new airport, XNA Airport in uh, northwest Arkansas. And I, it was in the wintertime. But the public was invited to come. And so me and another church member, we went. And uh, 
you're standing outside. It takes you a long time to get through security. And uh, you're out there at the airport, basically on the tarmac, and the planes are landing right there. And uh, you're going through security, and there's no, there's no porta-potties. There's no snack shacks. There's no, there's no uh, food trucks. There's no chairs. There's no canopy. And you're standing there shoulder to shoulder with a sea of people for hours. Cold and needing to go to the bathroom. And then finally, you see Air Force One coming over here to my left, and it's landing, and it comes back around, and it parks, and it's like the backdrop for where the president's going to speak. And he takes about another hour for dignitaries from Arkansas to get go on board and have snacks and a bathroom break. <laughs> and so by the time I left there, you know what I said? It wasn't worth it. But seeing Jesus, would it be worth it? Absolutely, it would be worth it. And so this is what Zacchaeus thought. It's going to be worth it. But how are you going to get around this crowd? So he thought, the thing that I have to do, somehow I've got to be able to see Jesus. And so the Bible says... He ran ahead. He didn't stick around to see if he was going to get any taller. He didn't wait to see if someone was going to hoist him up. Verse 4 says, he ran ahead. Look at it. So, it's talking about Zacchaeus, Luke 19. So he ran ahead and climbed up into a sycamore tree to see him, for he was going to pass that way. That's passion. In those days, it wasn't proper for people of status to run in public. It wasn't dignified. And just picture this. Zacchaeus, the chief tax collector, with his tax collector robes on, his fine robes, his fine tax collector sandals, and now here he is running down the street ahead of the crowd, and to beat all, he's climbing up in a tree in his tax collector robes and his tax collector shoes because he didn't care. None of that mattered. His position, his influence... None of that mattered. What was on his mind is a personal encounter with Jesus. He wanted to see Jesus no matter the cost. It didn't matter if it wasn't dignified. It seems to me that there should be something in our lives that we're so passionate about that we're, will, we're willing to lose our reputations and our friendships and even our lives to fulfill it. What is it for you? Is it the Detroit Lions? Is it your golf game? Is it your bank account? Or is it Jesus? What's your passion? Life will always be meaningless without a passion for God. The quest for meaning can never be satisfied by the pursuit of pleasure or material possessions. Fame, power, money are all empty substitutes that the devil uses to trap us, to deter us from a relationship with Jesus. You'll never get where you want to be if you choose to remain where you are. So, are you tired of your present plight or circumstances? Have you bottomed out? Are you stuck in a rut? One thing is clear. You'll never move forward while you're committed to standing still. So, here's what Zacchaeus did. He grew weary of this meaningless and empty existence. He determined to change his plight. Not only did he decide to run ahead of the crowd, he did so with this noble, this noble glow, uh, goal in mind. He, he wanted to see Jesus for himself. So Zacchaeus reasoned that the best possible way to see Jesus was to place himself where he was scheduled to be. 
many of you, as I look out over the congregation today, I know you weren't alive when JFK was assassinated, but also I know many of you were. I was in fifth grade, but I still remember the stories and about the guy, um, Lee Harvey Oswald. What did he do? He went to the place where the president was scheduled to go by and went up in that book depository on the sixth floor in Dallas, Texas. Pat and I have both been there and visited that very spot and looked out that very window. Verse 4, he says, it says he climbed up into a sycamore tree to see him, for he was to pass that way. You know, kids climb trees. Grown men don't usually climb trees. But now, and by now, he wasn't worried about uh, how anything looked. He was willing to run in his noble clothes, and now he was going to climb a tree wearing his noble clothes. Quite a sight. He must have caused many whispers. And when he finally got as high in the trees as he possibly could, he did something that, at least for me, is hard, hard to do. The Bible, the Bible says <clears throat> he waited. Now, is it hard for you? Is waiting? Do you have a lot of patience? Who here besides me has a hard time waiting? Oh, a few hands go up. My wife, Pat, she's a super patient person. She can wait all day as long as she has a book. I, don't have a, I have a hard time waiting. It's like five minutes, what's going on? You know. If our ultimate goal is to have a close encounter with Jesus, we, have, we must learn two lessons from the story of Zacchaeus. First, we must, be, we must stay focused on the goal. We must not let the good things that we do keep us from doing the main things that we absolutely need to be doing. And secondly, we must prioritize the place where we intend to convene with Jesus. We need to find that particular tree. I'm not suggesting you have to go out and climb the tree in your yard. But you need to find that spot, some place where you can be away from the TV, away from the cell phone, away from the kids, away from the spouse, away from family. And just even if it's just for five minutes, find a time when you can be with Jesus and convene with Jesus. I don't know how long Zacchaeus was up in that tree, but finally he saw the crowd coming, slowly coming, coming. From a distance, he observed the slow-moving throng coming closer and closer. And as this huge crowd passed under the tree, the strangest thing happened. Jesus looked up in the tree. Verse 5. And Jesus said, Zacchaeus. Do any of the kids know what he said next? Zacchaeus, you come down. For I'm going to your house today. For I'm going to your house today. Jesus knew Zacchaeus by name. Out of all the throng that was there, he knew Zacchaeus by name, and he knows you, and he knows you, and he knows me. He knows us by name. And verse 5, he says, do you think he was just going to go there and have lunch and be on his way? Do you see what verse 5 says? Make haste. I must. Has anybody got your Bible open? What's the word? next word say? I must what? Stay at your house. I must stay at your house. I don't want to be a guest. I want to be a permanent resident of your house. Think about that. And God wants that. And Jesus wants that in your home. He wants to be not just a guest. He wants to be a permanent resident. Jesus was telling Zacchaeus that this was his moment for an ultimate divine encounter 
a personal encounter, a personal summit. It's the moment that comes to every person, the moment to decide to remain on the lofty heights of self-reliance or to move on to the stable ground of peace and love. Whatever is empty inside of you, Jesus is ready today to fill it. Zacchaeus had enough wisdom to recognize that yesterday is only a memory. Tomorrow is not even guaranteed. He knew that his emptiness was about to be filled when Jesus said, I must stay at your house. He wants to be a permanent resident. So you notice what Jesus told Zacchaeus to do, come down. He didn't waste any time getting down out of the tree. He obeyed. He did what Jesus asked him to do. He came down out of the tree and received a pardon, a clean slate, a second chance. Zacchaeus was granted something that he did not earn, could not buy, and could not comprehend. In addition to the grace he received, the moment that Zacchaeus said yes to Jesus, he experienced joy. God's great joy that comes only from being forgiven and restored and back into a relationship with him. And you notice that the first thing Zacchaeus did after obeying Jesus, it's in verse 8. Look at it. It says, Then Zacchaeus stood and said to the Lord, Look, Lord, I give half of my goods to the poor, and if I have taken anything from anyone by false accusation, I restore fourfold. This is something that I have to do more research on, but I've thought about it recently when it says Zacchaeus stood. Had he, when he came down out of the tree, did he come down so quickly he landed on the ground and was sitting down? I don't know the answer to that. You can't take my word for it, but it does say here that he stood. Does that mean he was previously sitting? He got up and he was a changed man. He was different. Behold, Lord, I'm going to make everything right. The proof of an authentic encounter with Jesus is, is a changed life. The, ma- the name, the money, the prestige, the stuff, the material possessions, they didn't mean anything to him anymore. He was truly born again. Zacchaeus became exhibit A in the case of a transforming power of God. Zacchaeus, Jesus said, this day is salvation come to your home, to your house. In Desire of Ages, page 555 and 556, the author says, No repentance is genuine that does not work reformation. The righteousness of Christ is not a cloak to cover unconfessed or or unforsaken sin. It is a principle of life that transforms the character and controls the conduct. Holiness is wholeness for God. It is the entire surrender of heart and life to the indwelling of the principles of heaven. And my appeal is simple. I urge you to take time to have Jesus in your life. For a personal summit, find that time, whether it's five minutes or an entire day. The more time you spend, the bigger the blessing will be. You have been listening to the broadcast from the Midland Seventh-day Adventist Church at 2420 East Ashman in Midland, Michigan. If you are in the area, we cordially invite you to visit our church Saturday mornings. If you are a distance away, we encourage you to continue visiting our website and weekly podcast at midlandsda.org.